Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Low Back Pain Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Grant Elliott with Rehab Fix Online Low Back Program. And today's topic is McGill's Big Three Top Core Exercises for Low Back Pain. Now, last episode, episode 22, we discussed should you or can you continue training or exercising throughout your low back rehab program. That was a very important episode. And if you have not listened to it, I highly, highly advise you do so because truly it fills the gaps and it answers those questions you have for if you're an athlete or someone who enjoys being in the gym and you're dealing with a lower back injury, if you should continue those things or if you are in an appropriate rehab strategy to resolve the lower back pain, if you can continue to do those things. It answers all of those questions and it can save you a lot of time and a lot of money if it's avoiding flare-ups and ER visits and confusion. So please go listen to that episode. I promise it will be worth it. But today's topic is the famous McGill's Big Three. I just wanted to give my thoughts on these as well as the application of them. So a little bit of background. McGill Big Three is named after Professor Stuart McGill, who is a um, biomechanics uh, kinesiology professor out in Waterloo University, which is in Ontario, Canada. And he's wrote multiple books over spine mechanics um, and has been very popularized over being a leading researcher for spine biomechanics, um, disc mechanics, things of that nature. So... The emphasis of these McGill Big Three, who have become very, very popular exercises for individuals with lower back pain, um, the emphasis is avoiding lower back compression or pressure with specific core exercises because many people are under the understanding, and this is kind of, you know, some of the, some of the aspects I'm going to discuss today are, you know, science moves on. So are many of the things that McGill, you know, discussed and researched applicable? Absolutely. Without a doubt, the guy's a beast. Um, But what we've learned throughout really the last, you know, five years or so is that pain is um, not so one plus one equals two. There's so much context. It's so multifactorial. um, And things don't always stay the same, right? Science helps us learn more and we can move on from some certain concepts. And that's a little bit of what I'm going to discuss today as well. So the point of these exercises is that it is a way to activate your core, which was believed was believed to be extremely important to resolving lower back issues. And these three exercises put the least amount of pressure on the lower back. These exercises in no particular order are one, the bird dog two, the side plank three, the curl up. And we're going to go over these and I'm going to discuss my thoughts with these and the hundreds of people who I have worked with who have implemented these who have or have not seen success. So first off, is it required to do core exercises to fix your lower back? Nope. Nope. Not at all. That's kind of the one big debunking thing about this is you don't need to do core exercises to fix your lower back. Quite often, they're not needed at all. Um, core function is something different and that's something I will discuss, but activating your core, strengthening your core, we've found to not be a reason for low back pain and to not be a solution. 
for lower back pain. So the purpose of these exercises were to, um, quote, you know, help lower back pain, uh, by strengthening the core while simultaneously putting the least amount of pressure. I would no longer label it as such. I would say these are potentially decent alternatives for you to continue exercising without maybe making your low back worse. That's what I would say. They're rarely a solution to lower back pain, but they are a good modification for other core movements so that you can still exercise in general, activate your core in general without flaring up your low back additionally, potentially. So uh, first off, the bird dog. Bird dog is a great movement. There's a lot of uh, variability to it, a lot of ways that you can alter it to make it more challenging and even uh, more difficult. Simply put, if you're a listener and you've ever heard of a bird dog, feel free to look it up, of course, but essentially you're in a quadruped position on your hands and knees like a tabletop, and you are reaching out with one arm while fully extending the opposite leg. So you're kicking that leg straight out, squeezing that glute, toe pointed to the ground, heel straight back like you're kicking through the wall. These are some of the cues that I use. And that arm is outstretched straight with a fist. Squeeze that fist. It'll improve some more motor recruitment. That is the bird dog. Great for, once again, these are all for spine stability. These are all for spine stability, core stability with the least amount of pressure on the low back. It can be used as a great warm-up tool for the gym. You can add a band to it. You could do circles with the arm and the leg at the top of the motion while balancing. You can lift the knee so you're in a elevated bear position while performing the bird dog. That is quite difficult. There's some variability you can add to it. Out of you know these three movements, this, this is one of the ones that would be a little bit more favorable. Um, most people agree with it. Not many people have issues with it. Once again, is it a fix for lower back pain? Probably not. Uh, but it is a good movement um, that challenges the body in a way that it is not used to and has some good variability to it. Next, side plank. Side plank is great for frontal plane stability. Working those QLs, that's what we think of the most, abductors too. Uh, but that's going to be our frontal plane stability movement for the core. And a lot of people don't get frontal plane activation. So it's great for that reason alone, stimulating a plane of motion that you're not commonly in. This is a classic. It truly is a classic. It can really do no wrong with the side plank. You mainly just want to make sure you're keeping your hips off the ground and it's not sagging down and you're maintaining as straight as you possibly can be. If you were to draw a line down your forehead, between your eyes, through your chin, through your sternum, through your pubic symphysis, the center of your hips, rather, that should all be completely straight the entire time. That's the goal. You can regress this movement by being on your knees. You can do it the traditional way by being on your feet, and you can progress it by doing what I like to call a side plank star, where when you're in the side plank position, the full side plank position, your top arm and your top leg are reaching towards the ceiling. That is quite difficult. There's also some ways that you can add some weights to it. You could pull a band in front of you. Um, there are some variability to this as well for some nifty ways to advance it. Uh, but it's a classic frontal plane movement. Not a lot of people get uh, frontal plane stimulus. And uh, most individuals do quite well with it. Now the curl up, the curl up is where I kind of change my tone a little bit. Um, a lot of people feel their neck strain 
with this movement actually. Quite a lot of people. What the curl up is, is you're laying on your back, you put both hands underneath the small of your low back where the curve is um, to kind of support it, to maintain that natural curve, which is something that I don't really coach, uh, but in this particular movement, that is what is emphasized. You have one knee bent, one knee straight, you kind of keep your chin tucked, that's the goal at least, and you just lift the upper body off the ground just so that, you know, about the shoulder blades just begin to leave the floor. That's about it. It's a very small motion, and you will feel your abs squeeze quite a bit. This is a good variation to the crunch, but some people having the hands under the low back, it doesn't feel good to them if they have a sensitive low back. A lot of people feel like the neck is strained as well throughout this movement. So out of these three movements, this is not my opinion. This is not my personal opinion. I'm speaking on behalf of the hundreds of online clients I've worked with who have done all of these. It sounds as though the curl-up is probably the least desired out of the three. Now, once again, if it feels good to you and you get a good you know, little core workout out of it, it's a better alternative to crunches, that's for sure. Um, you know, in regards to keeping low pressure on the spine. Uh, but not a lot of people agree with that. So here's where the narrative kind of changes, though. What we've learned is we don't really need to avoid the things that Dr. Professor Stuart McGill was trying to have us avoid from this study. We don't really need to avoid spinal flexion, even though in a study context, it does show higher pressure on the lower back, that's not always a bad thing. If your body's adapted to that, if you have no lower back issues, if you're healthy and you can uh, maintain good load, load management with that, there's no reason you can't do that. There's no reason you can't do crunches or Russian twists or other things that are, quote, non-ideal. Do I agree that they're maybe not the most optimal movements for most people? Sure. Are they bad movements? No. They're not bad. You can't call any movement bad or good. So kind of the purpose of these exercises, people think they're a cure for lower back pain. That's not true. They're good alternatives to other core exercises that might otherwise bother you if you're in a sensitive state. Will they prevent lower back issues? No more than any other general exercise would. If you're squatting, deadlifting, just generally exercising, going on walks, doing any sort of core activation movement, these specific exercises are not going to prevent your chances of developing lower back pain any more than just being generally fit will. So it's not a magical cure-all movement. Once again, these are good movements. They do put lower pressure on the spine, and they can be very good alternatives for individuals who are trying to get a little bit of stimulation in their core, trying to get active and not flare up their lower back further. So do I advise my online clients to do these? I do because some of them are not exposed to these movements. And once again, they're great alternatives. However, there are many, many, many other core movements that I will coach them through to change core function, to change spine stability in relation to how it interacts with the core function. So proper breathing strategies, learning how to use your diaphragm, properly create intra-abdominal pressure, embrace how to stabilize the spine that way, then implement core stability exercises with that so that you're learning how to stabilize your spine off a proper platform. Doing these Mughal Big 3 exercises, you can do them all day long. You can get a nice little core burn from it, but it's not going to change your core function. 
It's not going to change your movement function. It's not going to change the ability for you to uh, generate proper stability within the spine itself. It is low force, high activation, sure, but it will not change your core function. It will not change your spine function. That does need to be understood because I don't want you spending months or years doing McGill Big 3 with sciatica, disc herniation, low back issues. And if you're not getting results doing that, don't just keep doing it and doing it and doing it over and over and over again. I mean, don't do anything, right? Don't do anything over and over and over without getting results. That's, that's just foolish. And I don't want you to feel like you're spinning around in a hamster wheel, which many people do, not going anywhere, potentially wasting time or wasting money. So this is very important to understand about core exercises in general, but I wanted to give my thoughts on the popularized McGill Big 3 because I know these are a hot topic and I know a lot of people are told to do these because it's a quick fix for lower back pain and it's all you need to do and you need core strength. You don't need core strength. These are magical exercises that will fix your low back. No, they're not. Uh, you need a strong core because that's what stabilizes the spine. No, that's not true. Uh, changing core function, changing breathing mechanics, changing movement mechanics in the way we generate our forces, that's what changes our function. And that's what truly changes spine stability and how you can relate that to many of the other movements and activities you're going to do. The way that I like to coach my clients through core function and core training is in a way to where they can apply it to basketball, tennis, baseball, golf, weightlifting. If you're just doing McGill Big 3 all day, it's not going to relate. You need to know more than that. You need to know how to apply other related topics to improve your function. So I hope that this um, enlightened you a little bit on McGill's Big Three. Once again, not bad movements. There are no bad or good movements. It all depends on context. Uh, they are core activation movements with a low impact on the spine. They are not a cure-all. They are not a fix. Uh, they do focus on, quote, spine stability or core strength. Uh, but core function, spine function is where a lot of the resolution lies. And I encourage you to not put all of your eggs in one basket with anything, with anything, I'm not saying just these, with anything, and to continue exploring options if you're not getting the results you're looking for. And if you are struggling to find results and you feel like you've been told by everybody, oh, it's because your core is weak, it's because your core is weak, you just gotta strengthen your core. I've heard that a million times, and I'll say it now, and I'll say it, you know, 50 years from now, I've never fixed someone's low back or helped them fix their own low back, I should say, by strengthening their core. It's never happened. It's never going to happen because that is not a problem that causes low back pain and there's not a fix for low back pain. What some people might confuse is that the second they start doing core exercises, well, if they went from sedentary, out of shape, not moving at all to some movement, they're probably going to feel better. It's not because their core is stronger. It's because they're actually moving and exercising. Those are some things we need to consider, correlation versus causation. So anyway, if you are struggling to find help, let me know. We can meet. We can go over an assessment together and see if we can get results during the call. I would be honored to help you or anyone you know who is struggling to find help. And if you enjoyed this podcast, if you are enjoying the podcast and you want to help support it, please leave a five-star rating and review. This will help the podcast gain more exposure. And if you're on YouTube, please leave a like, leave a comment, and subscribe 
to help support this podcast and help it reach more people who need proper help, who need proper guidance, and who are struggling to find relief so that they can have the potential to get out of these situations and get back to 100% quality of life. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.